0: Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and tonight I'm joined by Ed and Ben. Hi guys. All
1: right. Hi everyone.
0: Hi. And we're also joined by Mohamed. Hi Mohammed. Hi.
2: Thanks for the invite.
0: Thank you. Um, Mohammed. seeing as it's your first Thanks. time on the show, it'd be nice if you, if you can just say a little bit about yourself, just to introduce yourself to everyone. Uh,
2: hello uh, to everyone listening. Um, some of you may not uh, already follow me. Uh, on Twitter, I have been an OM fan for twelve years now, thirteen years. Uh, I've been following them through sort of childhood, late teens, and now into my adult life. Um, once, as, once a long-suffering supporter, now I'm very fortunate to sort of uh, be able to uh, work with the club as well. So, on occasions, um, so it's been pretty good to see things uh, sort of going on uh, in house. Um, and uh, look forward to uh, discussing some of the club's topics in this podcast
0: Brilliant. Um, Right, okay um, so um, what we'll do tonight is we'll talk through um, this weekend, last weekend's game against Gingham and we'll also give our thoughts and predictions for next weekend's match against Nantes um, and we are going to have a discussion a little bit about some of the other clubs in Europe right now that are doing really well um, and have a look at w- what kind of models we should be emulating with our own club and project and as always we'll run through any sort of relevant news stories over the last week. So um, if we get started now, um, last weekend's match against Gengam Marseille were a- a- away from home um, but managed to come away with quite a solid 3-1 victory um, courtesy of goals from Luis Gustavo, Lucas Acampos and Valerian. Germain. How did you find the game guys?
3: Uh I thought it was a bit edgy when Gangon got one back, but I think we played okay. Obviously, I would have wanted a few more goals, but yet again, three points, three points, and on to the next match. Anyone else?
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think it was Ed the last speaker. Um, you know, three points is three points, and it's good to um, pick up on the way we away win. I think they've been very scarce this season, um, but there's still, there's still a, a period... Um, sort of between the 25th, 30th minute right up until the end of the second half where just nothing seems to go on in our games. Um, and it was pretty evident um, today, uh, on Saturday rather, when you're playing a team that is at the bottom of the table um, who have very few you know opportunities left to sort of get their points so that they could uh, survive in a league. It should be, you know, pretty simple, pretty uh, straightforward victory. In the end, of course, the scoreline reflects that, but... For the I think the fifth game in the row, the sixth game in the row, it's just there's a massive period in the game where
1: we just seem to be unable to do anything. I, I agree and it, it is it is it seems to be a trademark of our, our games and certainly in the second half of this season. Um at the risk of, of upsetting Luca, um, I think I think we played pretty well in the first half. I think compared to the Neme game, um, we, we were pretty consistent at getting into Gangon's penalty area, creating chances up front. Um, Payet had a good chance to put us ahead by two goals. He, he, well, there was a very good save by the keeper, and then he missed the rebound. Um, but we we could have been three it up at half time. Is the reality, without, again, as as Mo says, without having created that much either, which is which is the worrying thing because it, it means that when you don't create, it puts the pressure on on the strikers to score the three or four chances we do get. And it, it compared to last season at this stage of the season, we we were just creating chances for Fenn last season, and and we we were winning games by three or four goals at this stage of the season last year, and, and that dynamic has completely disappeared. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, sorry, if I could just get in there. I think yeah. there's there's definitely a shift, um,
2: you know, because we are playing with largely the same players. I mean, give or take one, maybe two. It's um, still last season's team, uh, more or less, particularly with. Uh, Balotelli not playing, um, obviously the weekend. And I think him and Kaletika would be the one, you know, the big exceptions from last season's squad. But last season, there definitely was something in the air where if the team went behind, they you'd be relatively confident that they would score or create enough chances to get those sort of equalisers, last-minute goals, last-minute points, etc. Whereas this is the first team... Um, and, you know, sort of from the off, there are always games... Where, pretty much every game now, that you don't feel confident that you will be uh, obtaining the win or at least doing enough to uh, ensure that you know you put your opponents under severe pressure throughout the 90 minutes. I don't know
3: what's really changed. I also thought it was a bit concerning seeing that Sanson was having cramp, Turvan was getting kicked to hell out there. Um, It could be worried that there could be an injury concern in the final few games and I'm a bit worried now that with Samson's cramp, that it could mean long-term effects, We could mean that he'll be out for the last few games?
1: Yeah, it could be, it could be. Um, I, I think maybe maybe this is one of your points, Steph, so sorry if I, if I stand on it a bit. Um, I, I thought, apart from the, the, the defensive changes of, of bringing on Streetman, I thought Garcia, Gass- for a change, was actually quite, quite good with his substitutions. He brought Radonich on at the right time. When we seemed to, well, when when as Mo said, we we did actually look like we we'd taken our hand off the our foot off the gas, and we'd we'd certainly lost a bit of the the, the sort of control of the game. Um, so in that respect, I think Rudi did did all right up until when he he complained about us being too deep after he brought on two midfielders, which is which is it, it was naturally going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think I thought Hadenich had a, had a very good impact when he came on. He, he, he's always lacking a bit in his in his final pass, but that will come. I think that you can tell the potential is there because he, he does have qualities and, and he can be improved.
0: Yeah, it was kind of, it was a good timing actually to to take Tovan off and bring him on because you sort of feel that like Tovan's looking quite static at the moment and Radonic is just even though he, he didn't have a lot of time to make a huge influence on the game, but he just looked a bit more lively and, you know, um with you know with good movement.
1: Yeah, and the first 20 minutes was, again, it's it, it's it's quite obvious that it's it's down to, well, Payet looked, again, a bit off form, but he's get, you can tell he's getting there, he's building up form. Gustavo looks like he's back on it and he's, he's back on the edge and he's he's close to being sort of 90%, I'd say, in terms of his match readiness. Um, but you can tell the difference straight away when both of them are on the pitch and both of them have that, that, they've now got two or three games in a row under their belts. You can tell that it's coming back a bit. Mm. Um, and, uh, and accomplishes finding form
0: as well. Yeah, um, you guys kind of touched on this already, but um, I think you know we noticed in the game that, particularly in the second half, we, we our performance kind of decreased for a large period, and we started to become under a lot. Of, we started. We, we came under a lot of pressure from Gengam. It's kind of becoming uh well it's an it's every game isn't it this happens even when we take the lead we find ourselves kind of not able to to protect games and soak up pressure very well would you agree
2: yeah yeah no i think um at the end of the season we know when all's said and done i think that would be the fact that that's happened not just once but i think maybe three or four times just in the last month or so um will eventually be our downfall i mean you know, we were so dominant um, after, say, twenty minutes. You know, they, um, who's who? I can't remember who scored now. Gustavo, Gustavo, put up, uh, uh, took took us um, ahead. Um, Payet almost had a chance, and then you'd ha- you know that, like uh, Ben said, you'd be three, four nil almost at half time. And then there's a period in the second half after Gangon scored that. It had it not been for the goal line technology, and you'd be another occasion where the score could have conceivably been brought back to to all. And after conceding two penalties against um, Angers, on um, after you know last weekend against Nîmes, where only the referee's whistles are saving grace um, in stoppage time, you'd, you'd be thinking, you know, how has that been the case? How has that, you know, been such a mental block for the team over the past month? What you know, what is the coaching sort of situation behind that? What What is going through the players' mind? Because even after the time trends, even after the sort of poor sort of results, you do still have conceivably something to play for. Um, and it's just a bit worrying because now the next five games are of, um, you know, to lose a side, perhaps, they are of good quality teams uh, in the top half of the table. Um, some fighting for Europe, some um, always, you know, or doing, uh, achieving something against us, you know, it's, it's a bit surprising to see the players still showing a bit of the mental frailties, especially when coming back, coming up to a period in the season where you need sharp minds to sort of conquer the day.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's always, it's always worrying when you know we look at all, the game we played. You know, on Jez, we really lost. We lost two points because we played terrible in the second half. Mm -hmm. We nearly lost three, we nearly lost two more points against Neen. I don't know what happens when, you know, first half they play amazing, next half, second half they play like, they almost look lost, they almost look like sheep. It's just, if Gangop had converted a chance, I think it it was, it was the number seven for Gangop, I can't remember his name. He missed a, he missed a sitter really. And if that had gone in, I think, we've been looking at a very different outcome, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and Churam hit the ball, and quite frankly, the goal line technology even looked like it wasn't. Like, <laughs> yeah, we were did. saved by a hairline. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. scary. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, as you say, Ed, you know, it, we've gone from from usually, in, in probably back in, in February, March, we were falling behind in games, and then in the second half, we are coming out and, and being a bit more serious about it and finding an equaliser or finding a goal or two. And now it's it's shifted where we seem to start very well on the front foot and, and with good initiative, but we then we then fade away. And and you you know I, I think Lucas touched on this last time, and Mo, you've touched on it. We've played we're doing this against teams like Angers and Gandar who are in the, the the bottom five, for fuck's sake. I mean, if if we come up against Hasbourg away from home, or we we play a team like Toulouse who are fighting for survival, and you you it's not a case of us. Being outplayed. It's a case of a switching off and letting the opponent back into the game. And that's what's the most worrying about it is it is mental. And for all the talk of, of I think the coaching staff brought in a, a sort of psychologist or a sports psychologist in, in January time to help the, the players get over this slump and this poor run of form. And, and we're sort of seeing the end of that now. That's sort of run out of steam, that's run out of, of its initial effect, and it's, it's just not working anymore. So if, if that functions that exist at the club it's, it's not working anymore
3: I was, I was just going to say that it, it mustn't be working because they still look at times they still look like we're back in january february when we were really in trouble it's got to uh, come on to these players now that these games have got to be like six or seven world cup finals you've got to win them all we've got to get to the champions league if they don't do this it may be it's now never ever ready for this team if we don't get it next year, I doubt it. We'll get it the following year, and then it'll be another round of rebuilding. So these players are going to drum, get drummed into their heads. Look, we've got to get to the Champions League. The club depends on it. We've been out of it for nearly six or seven years now. It's getting ridiculous. We've got to do it. We've got mm-hmm. to get to the Champions League. End of.
0: Yeah. Um, just going, going back to the game there, um just want to look at a couple of the uh, performances um, from some of the key players. Um, I know we talked about them last week. Um, and his impact. Um, Luis Gustavo, he was again really, really important, wasn't he?
2: If, yeah, it feels like we've been missing him for a little while. And I don't want to praise Rudy Garcia for this. Um, I don't want to give Rudy too much praise. Um, <laughs> God forbid. <but>, God <laughs> forbid, yeah. No, but obviously he's, he's put him on the bench um, for the last couple of games and he's trusted sort of um, Sanson and Lopez um, on in that sort of run that we had between February and March. Uh, which fair enough made sense because I just think that Gustavo had lost a bit of a swarm, um, especially when compared to also last season where he was mostly fantastic. Um but then it's good to see both him and Paya as well, who've after quite a bit of time on the bench over the last two games they've been really uh they've been really decent. You know, Paya's been creating some good chances, but Gustavo has brought the sort of stability and calmness to that midfield. You know, he, he, even though he's uh, playing at the back, is perhaps not his preferred um, position, but he, you know, we, I think it's great to have a player who is able to comfortably, you know, slot back in when there is sort of defensive pressure. Sometimes he's able to. His, you know, his presence means that we can have five out back when defending sort of set pieces or, or even in open play. But he's showing some attacking prowess. And it's, it's two goals in a row for him now. Um, and, you know, again, looking at Pai, it's two assists in two games for him as well. Um, so maybe that time on the bench did do them pretty good. And, you know, long may it continue because right now, you know, Samson has been pretty poor as well over the last uh, couple of games. We obviously do need to change. And it's good to see that Gustavo is really, you know, sort of wanting to prove the manager wrong and say, well, it was wrong to put me on the bench for the last couple of games. And I've only got a bit of time left in season to show that, you know, to make up for lost time. So long may it continue.
1: Yeah, it, came, it comes down to both of them just, just getting mat, match fits and, and getting that extra bit of sharpness back. And uh, Gustavo, you always have the impression that he's he's got the physical ability to do that and and the mental experience to just put him slot himself right back into the team and um i I think mode importantly what you've said is yes he's a a presence defensively but as soon as we get the ball back you know that if you get it to him he will find a pass and he will he will get us on the front foot straight away so for, for all of last season for all of piet's exploits gustavo was our playmaker he he was the link between the forward players and the defense and he would carry, He would either carry the ball forward, or he would pick a pass at a key moment that would that would set us up for for a, a, a decent opportunity on goal. Um, he's he's finding his feet again. He's not quite there, but yeah, he is the type of player you would trust to be able to slot right back in, and and perform. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I think the reason he's getting better is because he's been playing his proper position, not in centre back where he's left out like a dog. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, he's played really well and it's just he's not ready yet, I will agree with you Ben he's not ready, 100% match fit ready but it's going kind of, it seems like the old Luis Gustavo back, the one who was the spearhead to drag to the Europa League final and I may touch on Pyatt as well I think Pyatt's I felt there was some real doubts about him around February and I thought this could be the end of it but he's done really well he's not banging in free kicks but he's doing a good job he's doing a good solid job he's not making mistakes i think both of them could be making a late surge in in form i think you got know, unless these two get injured i think we should they should be mainstays in the starting lineup
0: well you would say these kind of moments in the season you need your most experienced players to come through and lead by example um, and hopefully that might be what Gustavo and Payek might do over the coming games,
1: and yeah, and, then, and you'll remember back to four four weeks ago, building up to the PSG game. All of us on this podcast were saying we're expecting Rudy to put one of the two back into the team when we had those those that run of games at home, which we won against Salt-Étienne. Um, against Rennes or Nice, sorry, and, and you thought, yeah, this is the time. Just we're at home. Just put him back in the team and let him build up some sharpness ahead of the PSG game. And he and didn't do it. And we saw what happened in the PSG game. We got outplayed as usual, but we got outplayed because we put the kids on the pitch. And you, you've got to trust that Rudi probably thought he was picking the most match fit team and the, and the most sharp team at, at that top that period in time. But it, it does annoy me to think that if he'd have put them back in the team, you know, six seven games ago, where would we be? Would we have would we have fucked up against Angers like we did? Um, you, you can never know. You can never know. But it is frustrating.
0: Um, you know, just um, thinking about um, midfielders, because um, I, I know Fiorenzo said la- last week that he really wanted to see Gustavo Payet and stripman play for the rest of the season because of their experience. Um, Stroopman, who actually came on in the second half, did quite well and he provided quite a quite a spectacular assist for the, for the third goal. Would you um, want to see him start in the next few games?
3: Uh, I'd say yes. I think he's he put in a really good assist again for German. I think he's getting better and better, so you might as well keep. Him, Gustavo and Piotr together, not change the system at the moment. If it's winning at the moment, keep it as is. That's all I'm going to say. Lopez is a good player. Maxime Lopez is a good player. But at the moment, he's having a bit... His form's a bit iffy. So keep it as it is, I think, at the moment. But, uh,
1: uh, yeah, to your, to your point, Lopez and Sanson, both good players. They're decent on their day. They could they put in a good game, but... Neither yeah. of them are decisive. They're not decisive and you can tell the difference straight away. You put Gustavo back in, two games, two goals. Streetman, you know, as you said, Steph, he picked a Peter of a pass for Germain's final whistle goal. Um, th- those players have the quality to, to to step up in the key moments of the game and pick a pass like that and Lopez and Sanson for for saying that all the games they played consistently in the row. I don't think either of them got a goal or an assist in that period.
0: Would Would you agree with that, uh, Mohammed? I'm not really a big fan
2: of Strootman. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think he's performed at all well this season. Um, and for me, I just feel a bit more comfortable uh, with Gustavo and Lopez, or you know, any combination involving uh, Gustavo or the, uh, in midfield. Um, I think that's the main, most important thing. Um I haven't seen too much of Strutman's uh, qualities this season to think that you know that would probably give us an advantage um you know in the last five games, but you know coming off the bench you on on uh, the weekend he did perform you know relatively well um but then again he's played- you know he started just once the Bordeaux game um in close to two and a half months uh so Nah, not for
1: me, I probably
2: would prefer to see another
1: combination okay. yeah, See, Sieber it's difficult because you away from home, I think I would play both of them, but I would have Payet or and, and another midfielder in front of them and perhaps play Germain and Balotelli up front as we had been doing before Balotelli c- came out of the team um, away from home yes, because I think Streetman and Gustavo do have that physical presence in midfield to get the ball back and, and quickly move it forward at home I think you you put Gustavo in there to shore up the defence but you do need a player like Lopez or Sossel to drive the ball forward yeah. and carry it forward and pick a pass Great
0: yeah. Um, right, just a couple of um, other players I just wanted to consider before we finish up and move on um, One of them, notably back in the team um, was Lucas Ocampos. Um Do you think he was um, influential for Marseille in getting the victory and are you happy to see him back? Because I know he's quite a divisive player
1: I'll put this out there now. Um, next game against Nod, I, I would be extremely happy to see Ocampos on the right wing and Radonich on the left wing and Tovar on the bench. Um, I think Ocampos, is, is, he's, he's a player that, as we say in French, he jamais. He never cheats. He always gives 100% effort despite his, you know, his clumsiness or his, his sort of lack of um precision sometimes in front of goal, but having said that in the last five games, he's he's been probably our most decisive attacking player with Balotelli. He's he's got assists and he's got goals. So if he's on form, keep him in the team. Hmm.
3: Yeah, fall in agreement with uh with Ben. Uh I've I think turban has been like, yeah, like I've said earlier, he's been a bit off form. Randovic he's got an explosive burst and a Campos campos he's He's a bit inconsistent, but he was he played well against Gangop, I'll give him credit. Um he got a stupid booking, but the referee I think may have acted a bit sensitive, but you know, let's keep him in the side for against Nolts. Let's see what he can do because we're gonna need all the pace we can against Nolks, That's Yeah, he, he
1: he has been inconsistent, but he, he is consistent in the last few games. So mm. please, Rudy, don't don't chop that up. Don't fuck him over. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Agree with that statement. Perhaps send it to advise Twitter account.
0: <laughs> right, um, yeah, and just finally, um, just um, want to think about Jerman because he, well, he scored quite a brilliant goal actually at the end, and um, his performance was okay. I mean, quite quiet, yeah, but he's there's been occasions this season where he's come up with the goods in really key moments, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody on this podcast can profess to. You have a burning love for Valishaman, but
0: no.
2: you know, three three goals in the last five games is probably more than we could have accepted or could have expected rather. Um and yeah, you know, he 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 has produced sort of the goods. Last weekend he scored and and again this weekend, um you know, it's he's I mean if he's doing a decent job obviously in Balotelli's absence. Um yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. He's I think yeah. I, I think you know I'm I'm less dissatisfied with him this season than I was last. Um probably because A, you know, I do know sort of now you know his limit the limits of his uh his talent, shall we say. And uh, B, I just think that um you know, now he's completely definitely a secondary striker. Um he is producing relatively you know, a relatively decent performance. I think he was our Best player last weekend, if I can remember, um, of, of the players that played ninety minutes. And then this weekend, he did score a, a wonderful goal. And it's again, it's I think what you can ask for. If players are really deficient in sort of showmanship quality, the least you can ask for is that they're industrious. And I think that says for campus as well. Exactly. Um, so when you do work, when they do work yeah. hard, when they do in the face of sort of adversity and criticism, they you know, just get on with it. And then you do see sort of the fruits of their labour, you know, it's hard to that, at least.
1: Yeah, I, I end up feeling a bit sorry for Jamal. We give him a lot of stick and you know, he's an easy target, but you know, you have to say that he he does have a bit of a bastard role in this team where he's not there as 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 the key striker. He's there to make the other the other players score and I think over the last ten games, since since Rudi's tweaked the system slightly to um, put Balotelli in the best of, of dispositions possible, you know, Germain has been putting in a shift. He's been doing all the running. He's been covering ground for for Thauvin, which quite frankly has been awful these last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 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 a very important player in in the current system that Rudi has has rolled out. Um, my main frustration from from Saturday was that in the first half I don't remember seeing him in the box once um he never got on the end of a cross he you know he was busy working obviously but he was drifting out right so often to compensate for Tavan you know not trying to take someone on and having to turn back and look for a pass a pass back to someone Germain was always there for him to pass back to and you sort of feel for him because he he's the, he's sort of current co- um sorry covering Tavan's deficiencies at the moment and that means that He's he's not in the area as much. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I think we've got a phrase for that: uh, "busy idiot," and that that means basically we're hard working in all the wrong places.
1: <laughs> That's harsh, mate. That is harsh. <laughs> but
3: it's, it's, it's harsh, but it's true. I, look, I'm probably the more supportive of Jermaine in this uh, in this podcast because I just I see him score the goals when they matter. I mean, yeah, he's not perfect. He's not going to be like scoring 60 a season. But what more do you want? I mean, some people put a bit too much pressure on man. I remember... Agreed. What, I mean, there was one uh, radio user who uh, called in, said he was the next Jean-Pierre Papin, which I don't think we'll ever see another Jean-Pierre Papin. But to put it on Valorio Jermaine was extremely, extremely difficult tag. And we all, some people blame him for the Europa League final, but I think he's, he's a player that's worth keeping around. If you need a late goal... You might as well chuck him on and see what he can do. I think I'll be one of those people, to be
1: honest. Yeah, he's a good <laughs> squad player, and again, he's him and the campus remind me of of Dirt Cam from Liverpool, which mm. again he was doing all the running, probably not scoring or getting on the end of crosses, or he miss... I remember him missing quite a few sitters as well. But he, he just both of them are that industrious type of player who are always at the service of the team, and and that is to their credit. You know, you... that is the only thing you won't be able to take away from either of them this season they work for the team
0: Yeah that's a really yeah, interesting yeah, you, comparison uh, that's, Sorry Ed well, you've got you got something you, just to say there you, like that. You, you can't deny
3: he doesn't, he's not lazy some players are lazy some players give half a shift but Jaman gives a full shift regardless of the situation I think he should be at least praised for that, that he's a hard worker and he gives it his all but he's just our goal scorer that's why we signed Ballard's Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry right. sorry for our Dutch listeners but you know the Dirk cow comparison is is slightly better looking than cow. He's got that <laughs> going for him.
0: Right. Um, I think on that note we'll we'll finish up on um, last weekend's match but then start thinking about next weekend. Um so the the game actually sort of um, puts Marseille into fifth position and um we've got Nantes on Sunday. What are your thoughts about this This game, I mean firstly the game's on Sunday night which I mean I just want to say I'm just really pleased that the game, the, the, the fixtures are back on a Sunday night because it's much easier to watch and um, yeah, but what, what do you think what do you think the result's going to be?
2: Um, I'm a bit worried um, I'm a bit worried purely because now we're in sort of the, the home straight, um, you know there's just five games to go and one of just three home games left you know, sort of, there's nowhere left to hide, especially if you've got a five point deficit to make up, or even a two point deficit just to get fourth, mm. um, which is the bare minimum. But you know, if you've just seen Nantes' previous results, they've just beaten Lyon and BPS um in two of the last three games, and then took a three nil lead very quickly against Amiens, but almost screwed that one up. But you can see that they've clearly got something good going for them um, at the moment. They've just beaten two teams that we failed to be for, for a very long time. Um, and that's, you know, that is a bit of a cause of concern because given, given that Palatelli might not be fit for this for this one, um, you know, I, I I hope that we're able to sort of put in a confirmatory you know, performance, you know, a comfortable two-goal two victory where the match has, you know, sort of been managed correctly from first whistle to last. That would be sort of
3: the... The reassuring result.
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah. What were you guys?
3: I'm going to say it's this is a um, win or bust really. If we want championship, we've got to win this, and it's not going to be easy. Nantes is a tough place to go. They've just beaten Pierce and Leon. It's a home yeah. game, mate.
1: It's a home oh, game. Uh,
3: oh shit! Sorry. You know, no I'll...
1: one's going to be much more optimistic, whether it's home or away. So, <laughs> yeah,
3: it's, it's going to be a tough one. It's win or bust. Hopefully the Velodrome's gonna be atmospheric. Um but not to a tough team. We found that out to our peril when we played them last time at theirs. They were uh you know, they beat us late and it deflated us really. It started another bat- long run of bad games. Uh, I think one 0 to win.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be an edgy game. Um I I I do worry because like the last few weeks, this is an opponent that will not screw up in front of goal if if we let them back in the game after taking an early lead, but yeah, I, I can see us winning two one. I hope probably with a contribution from from Hadanich or Balotelli from the bench at some point.
0: Okay, um, I'm not really sure actually. I, initially, I would I would have thought um, we would hopefully this is the kind of game that we could and should probably come away with a win, maybe in quite a tight match, like a one 0 victory. But you know, as you Quite rightly pointed out, Mohamed. None have actually pulled off some pretty good results recently against big opposition, and I think they're sitting in thirteenth place. But it's a little bit deceptive because they have actually, you know, sort of had a recent sort of upturn in form. But um, I think I'll go. I'm going to stick with the one 0 for Marseille. I can't really see us scoring many goals against them. They're us- usually quite a solid team. Mm. I think we can do it. It's, it's definitely not our hardest game. Absolutely you know?
2: not. Uh, sorry, I just think that at this point, you could say that whatever result um, does come out with, uh, for example, on Friday, because you are saying that Nantes are a bit deceptive at the moment, you know, because they've got nine points over the last nine, but without that, with the expected sort of result against Lyon or PSG, you know, if they were to draw or lose that, they would be right in the relegation mire Um, Not to say that they've been lucky, but that's sort of the, you know, it's a bit deceptive at the moment. But whatever... The result is come Friday, or uh, Sunday rather. Um, if OM fail to get the three points, I mean, you'd have to say that they deserve it. Um, and if that means Europa League, or, or worst case, no, you know, no European football, and when we look back on sort of results like this, at this stage, you can just say, well, you know, that's it. There
0: you are. Yeah. Um, so, um, actually, just one thing I actually wanted to ask. I don't know if you guys know. Do, do you know if Balotelli is back for this game next week? I okay, think he's scheduled,
1: he's scheduled to be back in training on Thursday, I believe.
0: Okay, But he's eligible to uh, play against Nul. He's
1: He is eligible, but it, it's a case of whether he'll be fit. I don't see him starting is is the answer to your question.
0: Yeah, OK. Because my, my, my hunch is I, I could see him, if we do win 1-0, he would be my pick for the winning goal. But if he's not likely to start, and you're probably right, because especially given Germain... His goal last weekend, I would expect Garcia to start him up front on his own, but we'll see. Yeah,
3: well, it doesn't matter either way, we've just got to turn up regardless whether it's Sunday night or Wednesday night. Just turn up, let's get get a win, you know.
0: Um, so yeah, um, I think we today we wanted to free up some time just to talk a little bit about um, some more kind of structural things, and, and especially in light of um. The last week's success of Ajax in the Champions League and getting to the semi-finals um, sort of prompted us to, you know, have a think about, you know, the what kind of clubs are out there that you know are doing things right and that we could be looking to emulate. Um, what, what, what have you? Get what are your guys' thoughts on this? On this subject, I know it's quite a broad subject, but I think we've had quite a lot of inspiration recently. Uh, um,
3: yeah, you go I've on. Been, sorry, Mo. Um, I've think Spurs have been a bit of an inspiration. I don't think their players are... They're not all big stars, and they've made it to the semi-finals. They've beat one of the most expensive teams in European football. I think if we buy wisely, and we buy carefully, we could do Spurs. We could do a Spurs, and we could go We could go long into European competition, maybe long into league arm. We might finish second or third. So, yeah, we could all talk about Ajax, expert they all find, they always find rare gems. We not, we don't always find the rare gems. I can remember Lucas Silva was tipped to be the big map man when he arrived uh, at OM for Real Madrid. And he never actually did much. So it's it's a tepid model to follow the IX model. So I'd say Spurs is the one to follow.
1: I think we did a Spurs last year, mate. <laughs> I think that was it, <laughs> in terms of emulating their success. Yeah, we had a cup run last year. Um, Spurs, you know, they they have had a Champions League run, but they've been pretty poor um, in, in the domestic cups. And, yeah, it, it's very frustrating. It's a broad subject. Um, Ajax is, is something that cannot be replicated overnight. You know, yes, we could probably lay the foundations yeah. for that now and, and start seeing... The, the sort of fruits of our labour in, in sort of six to, to nine-year periods. Um, it's, it's hard to say who to emulate. I, I still think that if you look at a domestic level, I hate to say it, but Lyon is is a model to follow where you, you bring youngsters in and if you've got a position where you're struggling for depth, then you, you bled a youngster and you give them a chance. I wouldn't want to follow the Monaco model of... of you know, sort of player trading, where you bring in a player for two seasons, then you sell him to the highest bidder to to cash in. Um, and then, if you look at a European level, I think I still think you know clubs on tight budgets like um, Sevilla and and well, Red Bull Leipzig is probably a poor example, but they do seem to be able to attract youngsters and and they go for the, the Jaden Sancho type of players that other players' academies reject. I'd like to see us sign more of those and take more gambles like that, Radonich-style gambles on, on the Jaden Sancho or on someone like that if if they, they've not been signed professional by Manchester City's academy or Arsenal's or Barcelona's, you know, sign them up for two years and see what they can do and maybe start that way.
2: Um, I think my answer to this sort of question would be, if you'd excuse me, Steph, I think it's a bit too broad. Um, I... First of all, would we'll say that it's hard to emulate a club, particularly because of several of the unique features that Marseille has or some advantages and disadvantages that would make it quite difficult to sort of, you know, even at a sort of broad basic level to try and emulate. Um, so, for example, the likes of Ajax and Lyon would be pretty impossible because obviously the youth setup at Marseille is very, very poor. And to sort of rectify that problem would need either significant youth investment um, uh, or it would take a generation to sort of recover. Um, The likes of Lille and other clubs that are sort of doing, having a significant uptick in fortunes, it's still pretty volatile um, to follow that sort of format. Um, You know, Lille are in a great position today, but obviously we must remember where they were this time last year um, and the risky business of sort of, you know changing your whole starting level with very young players um and then of course, obviously, if they're doing very well, you could have your whole team decimated um you know through the vultures of bigger clubs and then having to start over from scratch with relatively new players come august um but what I do like to see what I would like to see is um sort of um you know, have a pick-and-mix solution of taking some of the best aspects of things that work for other clubs. Because what OM does have is a massive stage, literally and both uh, figuratively as well, um, of players that are able to be put in the shop window and then they can move on to a, a bigger club for a significant amount of money. Um, a, a really good, smart usage of the scouting system, which is something we haven't had for a long time, um uh, yeah, like uh, I think it was Ben that just said, Redonich is an example. Um, but then again, also first of all, it's it's one thing to have uh, you know have a gamble on a player, but then it's quite another thing to just not play them for large quantities of the season under the guise of that they're still fitting in. Um, but then you've got teams that are you know European regulars, both at the Champions League and Europa League level, teams like Sevilla. Um, and, and, and Betis as well. And in Italy, you've got, uh, Roma and Lazio and, uh, Fiorentina and that these clubs, you know, they are very coherent in their scouting plan. They're also very competent in finding very good loan solutions. Um, and also, um, you know, relatively cheap deals for players that won't break your, won't break your budget. Um. And that's just something I think we've been lacking lately. I think our recruitment strategy and our overall directional strategy over the last couple of years um, has just been very, very poor. I mean, I think all of us can, you know, see, you know, the example of the Mitroglou signing was bad enough, but the fact that it cost him it cost quite a bit of money for only fifty percent of his rights. Every, you know, fairweather fan, armchair fan, can see that that's just not a very good business deal. Uh, um, and you'd be thinking the people with the network with the contacts with the football experience can you know what how can how can they not see that you know that's just one thing that's really lacking from us but there are things that are working well with uh, other European clubs that I think that we can just take the best sort of solutions and even even try and you know change it from season to season if if that feels necessary football is obviously a very dynamic sport the transfer market is a very dynamic place you know one solution to say that oh, well now Ajax has done this, have done this in 2018-19, we're going to do that in 2019-20, but that, those you know, solutions might not be practical enough in 2021-2022. You know, mm. Right now we're actually sort of a bit of a crossroads with a TV deal coming in next year um, and a significant, or what should be a significant increase in sort of revenue uh, for, for the league and clubs and obviously Marseille does very well out of that. There just needs to be a very, very good strategy in place
0: mm Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think. Um. I mean, I agree with a lot of what you're all saying. Um. I think that for me personally, like I was always, I really like the idea of that. We've been talked about a lot in the past. Um. It's particularly when Bielsa was here, um, and when Zubizere, I came about a kind of model, a club model that's similar to Bilbao and the or, or even Ajax, I guess, and that it produces you know a lot of its own players. Um. But what and it has a sort of strong like um, its identity is and um, representation is strongly linked to it um, or with the you know with the city you know lots of local players and I think that's that really helps like you know um, get the fans behind um, the the players but um, one thing that I I do I mean I do like us bringing in young players that we can develop and that can become better than us so making those shrewd signings a bit like you know even under LeBron they did sign some really good young players but we moved on but one thing that I've over the years as an OM fan over the last pretty much repeatedly over the last couple of decades I found it I found it really really frustrating watching us bring in players players do really well and then get sold and then become better players elsewhere. And it's just it always left me feeling quite resentful seeing the, you know, the, the Riberies or the dropers moving on and playing their best football elsewhere when, uh, you know, I, I'd like us to be able to keep our best players and, and move them on when they're no longer good enough. I don't want Marseille to be a selling club anymore. But I realise in... Agreed. Um, hmm?
1: Agreed, sorry.
0: I I'd, would I'd realise in, in our standing in the... You know, in today's football market, we're not there, but I feel like that's where we should be striving to be. And so, I mean, that's my view on it. But
1: um... I, I think the long-term fix is is maybe the Ajax or Lyon model. If we're building the foundations, then yes, you have a convey of young players, players off. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but beyond the the long-term fix, the short-term fix, without it being a conveyor belt of players, is is got to be a conveyor belt of managers with a similar style. That will that will make it an attractive club to play football for, an attractive team to play with, players players who are, you know, potentially out of contracts elsewhere, or players like Gustavo that you can sign on, on a whim because you've you've had a tip off and you're able to get in there early. You've got to motivate those players to come. And if currently the way we're playing football, or more like the way we're not playing football, it's it's sort of we're just getting by with with relying on individual talents is not a model for the future. And and that that culture stems from the manager and the you know we, we've just got to keep, we've got to bring in a manager that, that plays, that wants to play attacking football and, and has a bit of a do or die attitude like Belsa had. Um, you know, if you look over the last 10 years, only him and Gerrits really had an attacking style of football where we went all out to win in every game and we played to our strengths. And, and the, the biggest problem is as soon as Gerrits left, I mean, you know, Dishon came in afterwards and, and inherited a lot of those players and it paid off. But when Gelsa left, it didn't pay off because we, we panicked and, and got an unproven rubbish manager in, had to sell all our best players. And then we, we since then, we've, we've just been in the fog a bit and it stems from the manager. If you bring in a manager and then after him, you bring in the similar minded manager, then... That style of football carries on for, for consistently for two, three, four, five years and you see players progress and you see new players fit in who want to be a part of that system and who want to improve and, and that that environment doesn't exist currently.
0: You know, um, you said about the manager, but I mean, I'm not so sure because... Well, I, I, I mean, I do think obviously that's really important, but if you look at some of the Ajax, have had a lot of different managers in recent years, but um, Ben, you said, I think you mentioned on... Before on Twitter about the fact that you know this like having like a club like Ajax is consistently um, employing people in roles, you know former players in roles at different levels of the club. You know, play, coaching youth teams. And...
1: It, it creates a culture, yeah. It yeah, creates it, a culture, yeah. and, so... and Marseille have ex-legends, and you you look at the likes of Van Dijk and, and I think Edgar Davids. Had a role at Juventus and is moving to Ajax next season. I saw this yesterday um, in in some sort of technical director aspect sort of role. And so you think these guys played for the biggest clubs in Europe, but they're going back to Ajax. Something is bringing them back to that club, and and, and they're being given a chance to find their feet as ex players in in the sort of you know the, the business side of football. And they're, they're replicating that, that culture and that, that, that experience they've gained as players and they're just bringing that to the club and it, it makes it attractive for players.
3: But what I don't get is, why don't we utilise our legends? Why don't we get Boley and Anglomer and Desai and Barthes? Why don't we get them in and say, help no, the coach. It's, I think, okay.
1: Yeah, a few of them have left football. I mean, Boley, I think is already employed in some sort of function. Um, I, I think he has taken a step back because he was a lot more in the line yeah, right with, with Labyguin. Well, it was, was Labrun. I think uh, he, was, he was sort of a technical yeah. director, wasn't
0: he? Yeah, I never really now, feel I understood his role. But, but.
1: But we, we, have, we have had, you know, Rudy Volo, for example, was was technical di- sporting director at, at Leverkusen for yeah. years, and, and and they had consistent runs to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, a few domestic title wins, they won a few German Cups. I'd be happy with that in the short term, in the three to four years, just to get in, get in players that have have experience abroad and, and just step away from this circle of only French employees and only only French culture and all that stuff. We if we're gonna be different in this league, we need to hire people with different ideas.
0: Um, sorry, um I'm just actually mindful of time. Um and there's a few stories um, in the news that I just wanted to cover. But um, I know that was a, a massive topic and we didn't really have a lot of time to really get into it, but it's something that maybe we can revisit again um, at the end of the season when we'll probably have a lot more things time to talk about things without the games. But um, So yeah, um, going into just into the news section in the last year, a few stories, a um, couple of transfer links as well. Um, firstly, um We've talked a lot about him a lot in recent weeks, Tovan and his his performances have sort of dipped in, in the last sort of week or so he's been linked to AC Milan. Um and interestingly what came up was the idea of a potential swap with Andre Silva, a Portuguese striker unknown at Sevilla. Um if I mean, if there was any truth to that kind of um, story, and I know it's a player we've been linked with in previous seasons, is that something that you'd be willing to do? Would would you be happy to see Tovan traded for a player like that? Absolutely not.
3: I think it'd be a terrible. Tra- I think it. I think. I think it'd be a trade deal, worst trade deal in history. Uh, Silva c- couldn't score for ages at Milan. I think we'd be getting rid of a really good player for one who was shoddy. Uh, I don't want that. I want Tovan to go for the right pl- prize... And if you want to throw a player in with it, I want a good player, not a dud. So, if that's the case, Milan can stuff their offer. I want someone a bit better and a bit more. A what's the word I'm looking for? A bit more consistent. Someone who isn't going to someone not someone who's score. proven.
1: Yeah, someone who's proven. Absolutely. Proven um, not.
3: Yeah, Andre Silva's been pretty poor for the last
2: year and year year and a half. I mean, I don't expect you know Tovan to go for. Uh, you know, quite vast sums of money, but to be offered Andre Silva in return, especially given our exposure with sort of mediocre strikers over the last couple of years, be a bit of slap in the face.
1: Mm. No, I'll disagree a bit on that point. If if it's it's a cash plus player offer, and, and we still get thirty five to forty million for Tovin plus Andre Silva, I'd, I'd go for it. If if Tevin stays on current form, and his attitude doesn't improve, and his, his head isn't in the right place we need to we need to offload and get cash in because we're not going to be able to sell him again for that sort of price whereas if you get Andre Silver in exchange, who's three years younger, I think he's still only twenty three or twenty four and you know yes we're all, we're all very negative and we all expect it to not pay off, but what if it does and he, and he gets you know fifteen to twenty goals in the next season and then fifteen to twenty the year after, you can still cash in for hi- cash in for him on forty million two years later. So if, if that was it and we still got a decent amount of cash with the player, yes. But if it was if it was Andre Silva plus twenty or twenty five million for Tovan, I'd say no to that. But the thing mm. is it would be definitely be that because I've from my understandings that the market
2: rate for Tovan at the moment would be I think at the most optimistic end, up to forty-five, fifty million. I think and that's without, yeah, trans- any, without any without exactly. you know, any
1: additions. Yeah, if you base I, I don't know, I, I use the transfer market references quite a bit. Yeah, his his current value on transfer market is fifty million. Um, yes, I would expect a, a player plus cash deal to drive that down a bit, but then that's that that depends on us, how we we'll negotiate or mm-hmm. not. and. That's, that's uh, the problem. From, I don't from, have faith in the team to negotiate well. That's
2: true, that's true. From my understanding, however, it's that, yeah, even though that's the market rate, but obviously, you know, for example, you have players like Nicola Pepe of Lille, um, where their market rate might be actually lower than for Tovan at the moment because of this, their first breakout season, for example. But they have significant potential resale value and there are top teams looking to get them with prices of 70, 80 million sort of touted in the press. Whereas you have with Tovan, there's a lot of sort of, Cynicism um, in other European clubs and thinking, well, wow, you know, Marseille is sort of his level at the moment, and we, we don't sort of think, you know, not only not only through his sort of talents on the field, but also mentality off it as well. That you know, he'd be able to hack it at other players, and then you know, they will. They, they obviously, I think, Tolvan for example at Bayern Munich feels to be Robin's replacement for example Um, to have him as a number two on the bench would obviously be very good but no club is going to spend 60-70 million or the price that Marseille are dreaming of uh, Mm. on a second rate you know substitute do you know what I mean?
1: Mm. Yeah our biggest problem with Tovan financially from a resale point of view is that he's he's fucked himself over in in the Premier League and and no one will take a gamble on him at 50 million and and that's to compare with Pippi which is exactly what you've just said his value may be higher than Pippi, but his his experience in England was was shocking, quite frankly. And nobody, if you're a selling club in France, you would expect the bigger, the biggest offers to come from the Premier League. And we're not going to get any offers from the Premier League, any good offers for Tova. I,
0: I actually think he wasn't really given that much of a chance at Newcastle. To be honest, uh, I think he gets a a really a lot. Of, well, he gets a lot of criticism about about flopping in England, but he only made about. Three or four appearances. yeah, um, but you,
1: you know how it works, you know once you've screwed up once you you don't get a second chance. It's very yeah, rare that yeah. you get a second chance, especially at the bigger club, which is which is where we would get the money from,
0: yeah, perhaps, um you know, speaking of Tovan actually though like another player'cause I mean we are we've talked about this in recent weeks, and we are all expecting him to leave in the summer, although I know today like there's been some suggestions that he might be open to staying, regardless of whether. We get Champions League football, but um, in terms of replacements, we have been linked with um, is it Ching? I, I don't know how to say his name Ching, Ching Gizunda um, Turkish player for Roma um, Seems quite far-fetched, doesn't it? it? It seems like not the kind of player that we would struggle to, to attract, would you not agree?
2: I mean, Ching Why... is un- himself is not really, you know that bit, you know a massive... It's not a massive downgrade on Tovan, but it's not exactly uh, a straight replacement for some. To you know, t- to make up for the quality that we lost. Again, this is a player that's sort of muddled um, at Roma at the moment. Yeah, there have been some good moments. I think he did pretty well in the Champions League last season. Or um, was it? Um, I can't remember which performance it was for Roma. But then again, it's been quite quite a muddled performance. Um, I don't. I don't really. You know, if we're going to lose Tovan, I I sort of want a more ingenious, um, well thought out replacement rather than yeah confirmed agents, a replacement. You know, throwing throwing names out, thinking well this player's available, and you might end up saving a chunk of money as well.
1: And, and again, if he goes for twenty million, the, the worry with him is he's he's being supervised by the world's his dog. You know, I mean, Sevilla supervising him, Arsenal supervising mm-hmm. him, and and we, you know, let's face it, again, we're just not as attractive as those clubs right now I Think for, we for a, a player.
0: Also been linked with them. And I know he he does he seems like he's not at that level yet, but he's wanted he's be and has been over the last couple of years like he's he's been wanted by or been linked to a lot bigger clubs than us, so i just i yeah. don't know for me i'm just surprised that like he'd be someone we could be thinking about I just don't really see it you know but i feel like he's um you know the big clubs now and um, they all want to buy young now they they like rather than rather whereas in the past you know they would look for more established players but it seems like now everyone's looking to invest in younger players so like yeah, if, we're point, invest we
1: on, uh, if we're going to invest on a player that, that is left-footed and, and is a winger I'd much rather make an attempt to get Malcolm from Barcelona on loan hmm. or with an option to buy who's someone who knows the French League and who has that explosivity that Tauvin has is capable of, of sometimes rather than go for, for an unproven youngster that quite frankly, will have more attractive offers if he is on the market.
0: Okay, that's an interesting suggestion, yeah. Um, so um, another player actually has been linked to us, um, much uh, lower profile, is um, TG Savanyi, uh, from Nîmes. Um, I've seen his name pop up a couple of times in various outlets in the last week or so. Um, he's not like a, a big, high-profile name, but is, is he a player that interests you at all?
3: Not necessarily. No, <laughs> I think you can
2: take
0: is, him.
1: Is, so Ed's, like, Ed's no. right. Ed's right. He's he's you know he's another Valère Germain type player. He's decent for the French league, but he's not going to he's not going to push you up a notch. He's not going to bring you you know ten or fifteen goals a season. He'll probably get five or six, and he'll put in a decent shift consistently. But apart from that, he's not going to he's not going to bring you to the
0: next level. You, you got any thoughts on that more? Uh, yeah, he's, he's not exactly a
2: name that um, yeah springs to mind, in you know, sort of the profile or the sort of notoriety of the players we need to attract. Um, but yeah, he's he's not been bad at all for Neem this season. You know, obviously he was a, yeah. he was in second division last season, and has actually really stepped up and been a massive driving force for for Neem this season. But we can't rely on you know, sort of you know. Uh, league players uh, to help us in the upper echelons of sort of the top, th- top three race or the Champions League or Europa League, whatever one we qualify to. I think for, you know, Sevigny would be a fantastic signing for a team, you know, like Montpellier, like, uh, uh, you know, Montpellier or uh, Nantes, probably not even Saint-Étienne, I don't think. Yeah. But I think with the gap between where he is at the moment and where OM need to be, um, it's a bit too great. I think there's sort of one club stepping stone in the middle which he needs to sort of go for. We, you know, like
0: be like a surtage type of signing, and that. You look how that turned out. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, he's not he's not a name that really um, excites people. As he? he's not going to um, excite the fans. But um, I mean, in, in even before the season, I'd never even heard of him. But um, I've I have seen him actually a few times, and and um, my my and just watching Neman and I do I think he's quite an impressive little player for Neem. Um he's got great great delivery. Um but for Marseille, you know, you sort of wonder is that really the level that we should be eyeing? And actually the reason why um I mention it is because does it not give you a bit of make you a bit worried that you know, given our situation in the league and that we're not in the position that we want to and there's talk about having to sell um a number of players because we've overspent in recent seasons I'm, I've got a little bit of fear that we're going back four or five years, and you know, in the days when we were signing Jeremy Morel and Alexis Romao, because we didn't have the money at Deschamps to to continue, you know, to, yeah. buy, to attract the kind of players that we we had been signing for a, for several seasons. Does it does that kind of name not make you put a lot of fear into you?
1: I think I think for, for seven and, and all of these little decent nifty league level sort of players who've got probably less than 50 matches under their belt Savanier for me has got Karim Ziani written all over him he'll be useless he won't be able to make the step up (laughs) Mo's right Mo's right
0: Mm. I mean, I do really like him actually, but I I, I agree. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like it's the kind of player that's we'll going to take you, us anywhere. We'll get you a Marseille
1: forward. shirt with Savani on the back of it, Steph, If it makes you feel better, mate.
0: Yeah, I think I'm a little bit biased as well, just because I've got you know I I do like Neem as well for 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 family reasons and stuff. And I he's you know, I do think he's a good, you know, quite an exciting little player. Um, so just um moving on, and just a couple of things just to um to finish up on, um we just about Rudy Garcia actually. Um I noticed that he's been quite critical in the media last week about um decisions in terms of refereeing decisions around penalties and handballs. Do you think What he's... a
1: surprise. <laughs> you... What a
0: surprise. <laughs> yeah. And I know we've 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 talked a bit about this, but um do you think that he's just defied in making those kind of remarks or do you think that he's just um sort of losing the plot a bit?
3: I think he um, he has a
0: point, but it seems like
3: before he goes out for a press conference, he has a wheel of excuses and he spins it and it always lands on referees or yeah, penalties. I 100% ball. agree. It's just ridiculous. He needs to just shut up and just get on with it. And if, if you're really that annoyed of it, go and complain. That's what I suggest. Don't.
1: I, yeah, I think that's all he's got left. It's all he's got left and to defend himself and it's a pitiful season and... Uh, you know, you, if if we don't qualify for Champions League, I'm not going to look back on uh, Angers getting a dodgy penalty or Lyon getting, you know, as every year, five or six decisions that go their way that are quite frankly very very strange. Um, I'll, I will look back on our home games against Lille. I will look back on. You know, home games against other teams where we've dropped points like Angers. And I will think that's where you fucked up, mate. It's, it's not because you were given a penalty against you. you fucked up because we had a home game against Lille and we got battered. And we dropped points against the big teams. And if you don't take points off of the teams around you, like Saint Tim that beat us away at their place, when, quite frankly, that should have been a draw or we should have been able to hold that 1-0 lead that Streetman gave us, that's, that's where we've failed. That is, it's not because of the referees. The referees just add to the frustration.
3: I will also, also add, I will also remember the dicking we got against Montpellier. I remember the dicking we got against Stade de Rings. I remember the embarrassing draw against Old Jerich near Christmas, which should have seen a whole lot of them forced to walk back to Marseille.
1: Yeah, Amiens his... as well. Yeah, Jesus. I Amiens, mean, don't,
3: don't, don't, don't remind me of Amiens, for goodness' sake. <laughs> He's, um, he's losing the plot he's losing the plot i think rudy
2: he, he's you know you can't you can't you know fail to win 15 out of 20 games like he did in winter and then just use the referee's excuse all the time you know yeah fair enough there are some occasions where it's been you know it's been um, uh, you know you can feel definitely aggrieved you know like it happens all the time and one does Wonder what happens, what goes on in the refereeing department, but that's not, you know, the fans don't use an excuse. The fans look at why are the players not performing? Why have we thrown two goal leads against weaker teams? Why have we gone so long without a win? Um, why do when we play? Why do we play for twenty minutes a game and then end up, you know, having to nervously defend our lead uh, towards the end, towards the end of matches? And that has yeah. to go back to the coach. It has to go back to the tactical setup. It has to go back to his substitutions. Yeah, it might have worked out the weekend, but there's been. Many, many, many occasions, and I just think you know it, we Roma fans tell me all the time of how his second or not second season, how his final season went before he got sacked.
0: Yeah, and it's the how French Mourinho. Yeah, exactly I, I, how
2: that, it's just copybook. It's literally just... copy and paste. I can't wait for him to go at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, the final point on Gasol, which is which is gonna it's gonna piss me off. I'll, I'll shoot you know, it's gonna annoy me when he when he gives an interview in six months' time after we've sacked him. And he looks back, and, and it came out yesterday. It was his 100th game against, um, uh, against mm. um, on Saturday. Gangol. Against Gangol. And he's got the highest win ratio of an OM manager in the last 15 years after 100 games. And, and he's going to hide behind that. And, and that's going to be his legacy. It's, it's going to give him so another much excuse. Brighter. It's going to give him another excuse. And it's, it's, it yeah. pisses me off. It he, makes well, me he,
2: sick. I, I feel like he had so many advantages that other managers didn't. You know, other managers yeah. did not have, for example, with he Trump, so. it was, you know, it, yeah. it, he didn't have the sort of support. He didn't have a new owner. He didn't have finances. You know, he he came in when it was a new dawn. And yes, of course, it's not that difficult to, you know, what's his record? One point eight points a game, considering that he, you know, he hasn't done what this last season was a success, but
1: it's a fluke.
2: It might, it might, yeah, absolutely yeah it was, it was a fluke. It was an absolute yeah. fluke. I think the stars had aligned and we received a lot of luck. But when the when the when the when it mattered, we lost, we lost, we lost again, and we got thrashed.
1: Yeah. In and, the, and the final away, the away the from phone. home,
2: in yeah. the Europa League, in the finals, when we needed to like for example, you know, there's this many occasions and this season has gone from bad to worse. His record against the top three uh, in the league, his record against sort of the top five in Europe he couldn't give a shit. And I just think
3: good riddance.
1: Yeah, the fact yeah, the it's, fact it's, it's that, not, yeah he can't get he can't it, and, yeah, it's frustrating.
3: Last point, last point I'm going to make. It's not the referee's fault you decided to pick Gustavo at centre-back. It's not the referee's fault that you picked in, out-of-form players to play in-form while you stuck Ranjovic in the bench. You might as well just find him out of a cannon send him back to Belgrade. It's not the referee's fault you gave us the worst defeat in a long time to PSG where we lost 6-1 and were embarrassed in front of our own fans.
0: <laughs> it's not our
3: fault, it's not the referee's fault, that you squandered the Europa League final, looked like half-assed idiots in front of the whole of Europe, and then went into the campaign like, well, oh, I don't give a fuck, and then got us a draw against Apio Limassol. Apio,
2: and we
1: lost our home soon. We lost
3: that one as well. You
1: see what talking about Eddie Garcia, Garcia yeah, but we're, yeah,
2: but we're out. Who gave
0: the, who gave the, who
3: gave the, but we're out then. Who gave the fuck?
2: you'd be surprised how much the average football fan knows because, you know, he thinks that four four two now, obviously with palatelli in, um, is doing relatively well when people had been absolutely screaming
1: for that last season. Yeah. Screaming yeah. For why, why would the big problem religiously. get that chance? Yeah. He, he, what he's had it going for work. him is he's thrown the tantrums. He's got the players he wanted. We spent 30 million on fucking Streetman that would have been much better spent on a left-back and a goalkeeper and and you compare back to Deschamps when he threw a tantrum. Well, he, he didn't. He stopped short of throwing the tantrum when he wanted Luis Fabiano up front, and we ended up with Remy and and Gignac. Yes. Yes, you remember. sort of think Jesus yeah. Christ. If they'd have given him the money and we would have signed Luis Fabiano back then, then we'd probably be, be having a different conversation. But, but this, yeah. but this,
3: but but this was so unneeded. You know, we had Gomez in it the was. first. Se- we had Gomez in the first season. Admittedly, he isn't particularly loved by Marseille fans, but he could score goals. Why the hell did you flog into Galatasaray? Why? Why did you sign uh, with Trunglu? Who
1: couldn't yeah, cut it? it's
3: who, could, who couldn't cut it at Fulham? He then go. He had <laughs> a few good games at Benfica. He thinks, ah, let's sign him. And he,
1: go, he going going up some zonks, mate.
0: Going up some zonks, just... mate. Rudi <laughs> 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 Rudy Garcia's due to Ed's blood pressure right now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, i um, actually that, what, the, that the Kentucky Fried
3: Chicken as well. Gave me <laughs> telling it through the ring. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, so my final point actually was going to be about Garcia's 100 game, but I think we've probably said all oh, we need to say about Rudy Garcia this week. And it's yeah, quite, it's, I, think I guess all, the,
1: if you want a last news story, it's coming. It's coming out this evening. Um, I, I, well, apparently, Leon Olas is going to meet with Laurent Blanc in, in the coming days. So I think Leon are going to end up. Getting Laurent yeah. Blanc as their manager—that is the most recent view story to come out—and quite frankly, good riddance. I didn't want him anywhere near our club. I hope they do get him. It'll be more of the same next season.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. I think he's a very similar kind of coach to Garcia in terms of what he offers. But but yeah, I mean, I think um, we'll we'll wrap that up for tonight. Um, and um, I'm sorry I left the most the most controversial subject to to last, um, and, and rather than finish on a good note, but. Um, but yeah, thank you very much guys for taking part.
1: Thanks everyone. Thank you. No worries. Cheers.
0: And thank you very much for listening. And we'll we'll try and get out to you next week after the Nant game.
1: Take care guys. Bye.
0: Cheers. Bye. Cheers, bye.